Hello, beloveds. Welcome back to the ESF pod. It has been a minute. I'm sorry. The semester started and we just started going and I've been neglecting this. So please forgive me. Hope you will. This episode, we are going to be talking about spiritual practices. Now, don't let that scare you off. If spiritual practices have been something you've tried before and they failed, we're going to talk about why, why that is. And we're going to talk about what's behind those spiritual practices. Because if you're like me, maybe we tried doing something one-off, like during Lent, hoping it would stick, or a New Year's resolution, and we did it for a little bit, and it kind of fizzled. Well, chances are we didn't do the work behind it. So in this episode, I'm going to walk you through how to create an intention and address the why and the theology and the spirituality of what is behind these practices and how we might make them stick. So stick around. I'm glad you're here. Okay, so... First off, I want to say a couple things about spiritual practices, about what it means to cultivate a rule of life, which is what we're going to be talking about. So first off, spiritual life and work or the rest of our life is classically thought as something that is bifurcated into two neat little circles where we have one, our spiritual life over here, or maybe like our ideals about how we want to be in the world, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then we have over here, on the other side of things, this little circle of work. Well, that couldn't be any more wrong. Actually, instead of this dualistic way of looking at the world, those two circles are completely overlapped, or they should be, in a Venn diagram. This goes against a kind of classical, spiritual model that the church has often ascribed to. And that's kind of the model of the church being like a gymnasium. Uh, Who says gymnasium? Uh, Joe Biden says gymnasium. Um, A gym or like going to the gym to work out that if you just work out your spiritual muscles for this little amount of time, then it'll carry over into the rest of your life. That's wrong. It's ascribing to this bifurcated dualistic model where you have this little time carved out for your spiritual life. And then we just hope that, you know, if it, if enough of that sinks in, or if we exercise that prayer muscle enough that it will just carry over, you know, it might a little bit, but I think we need a different approach. And that approach is something called a rule of life. Now, before you go thinking, ah, rule of life, like rules, like that sounds really restrictive, that sounds manipulative, that sounds very controlling. Well, I want you to hear that this isn't the church trying to say, well, do these things and you'll get to heaven. In no way, shape, or form does following a rule of life or not following a rule of life or living into these spiritual practices and doing them or not doing them, failing at them or succeeding at them in any way has bearing over your salvation and the fact that you are completely and 
utterly beloved by God. And this is meant for your growth. This is meant for you to grow into the stature of Christ, as Paul says. This is about you following in the way of Jesus. A couple other notes. So what the hell is a rule of life and why should we do this thing? Well, the goal is balance, but it's actually kind of not the goal too, if that makes sense. How many commercials have you seen that say something to the effect of life needs balance? Maybe that's good for like a probiotic slogan, but honestly, talk of balance is utter crap. There is no such thing as balance when you really think about it. The balanced life, according to social media, we think of this as like some kind of placid, tranquil experience uh, where nothing is intention, where all is well, and that's balance. Well, that's wrong because balance is to live into tension, like those two concentric circles. It's not keeping them apart. It's holding them together. Most systems that, that we live in, they view balance as either fully embracing one side or the other, which tips the scales all the ways, but you know, hey, at least you're fully on one side. Well, divine balance is actually non-duality. It's the middle of the scale because you're holding two things together. So a rule of life is something that was created by Benedict of Nursia. And he was an Italian monk in the sixth century. And he founded like 12 monasteries with a bunch of monks, and in order to keep them grounded and connected, he floated this idea of a rule of life. Apparently, monks were having trouble, even in monastic life, of finding balance. So it's like, oh wait, hold up, James. Like, if they couldn't do it, then how the hell are we supposed to do that? Well, funny you should ask. It's actually good news for us, because... We don't have the convenience of the walls of a convent. We can take these lessons that they learned and adapt them to our life here. And we can take some of the good things and try them out for size. And really, if if you're a student on campus, then campus life is kind of like a monastery right now, honestly, when you think about it, you might be in isolation, uh, and some of you might even be in quarantine. You know, you're living in closer community. You eat meals in community. In the best of times, right now, you're probably not eating meals in community, but maybe you're eating with uh, a roommate or your sweet mates that you've bubbled up with, right? Life is pretty ordered. You have a set schedule, classes, studying. Hopefully there's some recreation and some Sabbath in there. But you have your faces in books for long hours. You have strange superstitions like toilet papering trees when you win at a sporting event, which is just stupid. But hey, it's what you got looking at you, Wake Forest University, you know, you have these liturgies and customs and hey, your life is not that different than a sixth century monk right now. So this might be the perfect time. This might be the perfect time to cultivate a rule of life. Now, what's behind this? Why do it? There's this little thing called non-competitive transcendence. 
that sounds kind of crazy, but um, basically a Thomas Aquinas means that the Holy Spirit does not compete for space in the world. Whoa. Non-competitive transcendence means that the Holy Spirit does not compete for space in the world. In other words, God may direct our lives, but he doesn't deprive us of our free will. So while the Spirit is not competing for space, we might need to create some space around the everyday of our lives for us to experience a sense of spirituality. I can already hear you saying like, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Well, that's great. Um, and folks have been saying that for, for years now, it's kind of the bane of young adult ministers and missioners' ex- uh, existence. <laughs> I mean, everyone's everyone's saying that right now. And I feel like it really is conflating a lot of things. But I would offer this. Tell me, like, what gives you that feeling of spirituality? Is it a connectedness to something bigger than you, something greater Is it having an experience or just knowing in your heart of hearts that there's something more that God is and that God loves you maybe? Maybe you've experienced a a mystical experience or had a theophany, an encounter with the holy. And I would ask you, what do you think religion is trying to do? It's trying to create space for you at its best. I mean, we've all seen it at its worst, and and we don't need to go there. But at its most basic level, it's creating a space. Now, what gets filled in that space? Well, that depends on you. So, here we go. How do we start? Side note, uh, I'll include links to any materials in show notes. Um, I would encourage you to print them off, fill them out in your own free time, um, and feel free to pause this write down your responses to each of the categories, and then unpause when you're ready for the next step. And this is going to take place over a couple episodes. So this is just kind of the core work. This is the intentionality. This is the why. This is what's behind all the rule. And do not skip these steps. Otherwise, it's going to be like that New Year's resolution you saying, I'm going to work out more. And then you do for like two weeks and then you don't. And it's because you didn't do the back work. You didn't do, you didn't do the soul work to prepare the ground for this new thing that God is doing in your life. So here we go. Step one is core values. What is important to you? Now, As you begin to think about what values you might have of the things that are important in how you live your day-to-day life, as you think about them, I would invite you to, one, pray. Invite God to to be with you in this experience, in, in this process. Next. It might be helpful for you to sit down and write your eulogy. That's right, I said eulogy. We are starting with death. We are starting with the end of things. Why? Because what will you be able to say about yourself as you look back and reflect on your own life? What will you say is important? What was underneath what you did? Why did you volunteer your time? Why did you have a Sabbath? 
Why did you clear your inbox once a week? What was underneath that? What were those values that you held dear in your time on this planet? Next, what are the shadow values that you hold? Now, what do I mean by shadow values? What are those ones that are, they're not necessarily bad values, but you might need to let go of in order to move on. Maybe there's a toxic relationship. Maybe it's something you've known for a while, but you just need to name it out loud and you need to unburden yourself from it and let it go. Those are the shadow values. They're rooted in the ego. They're rooted in us following our own will of the things that we are striving for. Maybe it's living into unrealistic expectations from your parents or unrealistic expectations from the social environment that you find yourself in. Maybe it's the unrealistic expectations put on you by a boss or by the school or by some other entity. Maybe you need to take a step back and look at those and say, are those my values or are those someone else's? Something that somebody else is trying to tell me how I need to be. That's shadow values. And lastly, what are the divine values that you hold? What does scripture tell you that you have to be, that you should be? If you're following Jesus, are you living by the values that he sets for life, for a life of following in the way? Okay, last tip is be, as you look at these different areas of the values of your life, what core values, shadow values, and divine values, I would invite you to be like an astrophysicist looking at a picture of deep space with wonder or a biologist examining an ecosystem that is without judgment. Don't look at your values or lack of them and think, I'm a terrible person. Shame will not help you in this, well, or any process. Look at these core values with what the Buddhists call beginner's mind where you hold it in your hands and you observe it and you say, oh, look how interesting this is. Isn't it interesting that that's a value that I put on my life? Maybe it's something I ascribed to when I was young and it doesn't hold water anymore. It's not something that is important to me anymore. Or isn't it interesting that I thought that was what was going to bring me life and fullness, but it hasn't. Isn't that interesting? It's so much more freeing to examine our lives in that manner than with guilt and shame. And so that's all I'll say about that. And I would invite you to enter into this process with this intentionality of looking at your core values and from a stance of prayer of really inviting God into your life and into this process. And I would invite you to think about your spirituality not as a separate circle and all of the other separate circles of your life, but that they all overlap. Cultivating a rule of life 
is to stand at the intersection of all of those things. Spirituality is to stand at the intersection of your vocation and your relationships and be grateful for them. And so I would offer you this blessing from John O'Donohue. And it's called, it's from a book called To Bless the Space Between Us. And this is the blessing for a new beginning. And I would offer this up as a closing prayer for us as we begin this rule of life. For a new beginning. In out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you are ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you with the playful seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered, heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent, wondered, would you always be like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plenitude opening before you. Though your destination is not clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm for your soul senses that the world awaits you.